Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the theories of fears and I have Robert Mack on the show today. Robert is an Ivy League educated celebrity happiness coach and positive psychology expert. He's a published author of Happiness from the Inside Out and TV host, personality and producer for OWN and E. His work has been endorsed by Oprah and many others. He's currently hosting and producing a show called Ever Talk Live, which is a daily live streaming morning show focused on happiness in Hollywood. Um, he's just doing some incredible, incredible work. So we're going to be talking about that and more so his journey because his journey hasn't been full of happiness right from the beginning as as we would all expect um he's someone who's spreading a lot of joy and happiness but has come from a very different walk of life and very different experiences and i hope it just encourages you that wherever you are currently at that you know there is hope and um there is possibility of change always so i'm really hoping that this episode is going to super super get you psyched for for what is to come and just stay encouraged hi robert welcome to unplug with annie um it's such a pleasure to have you on the show and i just i I, you were someone who really stood out to me as a personality and i really wanted to get you on the series specifically so um thank you for being part of this thank you so much for having me i'm so excited i felt such a genuine and authentic connection with you uh the first time that we met and I'm just so excited to have the conversation now. Oh, no, it's great. I'm, I'm super excited. So, I mean, your, your life seems so plentiful um, in what you have shared with me, like, you know, from going from consultancy to, to dabbling in acting and modeling and now hosting a show and, you know, you're known as a happiness coach and that just, I, I think like your energy just speaks for itself. So like walk us through this journey a little bit from where you started to, to, you know, what you're doing right now. Man, I, first of all, received that. Thank you so much. It's taken me a long time in my life to be able to receive a compliment or kind word. So thank you for that, Ani. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, very sort of an average um, sort of family in terms of um, money and success and all those things. But my family was full of love. And um, that being said, I was really motivated to, um, you know, I did pretty well in, in my academic life, my athletic life, you know, in the sports field and in the classroom. Um, but I always felt a deep sense of unhappiness mm-hmm. and really dysphoria, even more than that, I think it grew into depression. So over the period of many years, you know, just a little skepticism and pessimism as a child um, grew and grew and grew to the point that I became deeply depressed and I began to experience like suicidal ideation. I thought about suicide and killing myself a lot, I'd say dozens and dozens of times a day. It's probably the most prevalent thought I had. And I couldn't really place it necessarily because, you know, like I said, I had a pretty great, really great loving family. I had a healthy uh, family and a healthy life. I did well academically and athletically. Um, but despite doing so well, the depression and the suicidal ideation just grew. Um, and it grew to the point where I eventually began to research ways to kill myself. Um, you know, I didn't have access to a lot of the methods or means uh, that most people use. And I also didn't want something that was especially violent. Um, but so I eventually decided that I would um, slash my wrist. I would slice my wrist. And so I went to the kitchen, I remember, and uh, you know, I just I got a knife and I dug it into my wrist. And 
at that moment, you know, it's interesting because as much as you may want to die, you certainly don't want to experience pain. That's the point of wanting to kill yourself is you're wanting to escape the pain. Um, so I dug the knife in, really wanting to know how painful it was going to be. And something very odd and very strange and unexpected happened, which is that I suddenly experienced a peace and an indescribable bliss washed over me, like for no good reason. Like nothing in my objective circumstances and conditions had changed, but subjectively on the inside, I felt like everything was okay. I felt that all was well. And so in that moment, I thought, well, you know, I can postpone this suicide thing for like an hour and I can do some research. I'm sure there are lots of people who are a lot smarter than me who maybe have figured this thing out. So I initially put it off for an hour and that was really it. I mean, honestly, I wasn't even committed to the hour, Danny. I really wasn't. Um, but that hour slipped into several hours and then it slipped into several days and weeks and months and before long, it slipped into decades. Um, but the whole time I was doing lots of research and I was trying to apply everything that I was learning and I was tracking what was working and tracking what wasn't. Um, you know, at no point in time really uh, did, did I ever get to not killing myself, but over the period of many years, and it was always like four steps forward or two steps forward and then 20 steps back, it felt like. Um, but eventually, inch by inch, I sort of dug myself out of this hole. Um, so that's sort of where it started. Along the process, as you mentioned, I was working for a consulting firm, and then I um, eventually left that work, and I began doing modeling and entertainment stuff, acting stuff, uh, really to pay for business school. I was going to business school at the time. And then later, I found this program at Penn, the University of Pennsylvania, that is a master's in applied positive psychology, and it's all about the science of what makes life worth living. It's really the science of happiness. Um, so not long after that, I opened my private practice and I began sharing what I had learned, both through school, but through my personal experience um, in order to help people become happier. Wow, wow. And how did, how did Ever Talk Live, how did that show happen? And what is it that the show focuses on for people who don't know and who haven't seen the show? Yeah, so you know, we initially, I had a friend, um, Dr. Aaron, and I've known her for a couple decades. And you know, she, I was working on a show on E! called Famously Single for two years. I was really the dating and love coach, even though I'm really a happiness coach. Um, but you know, most people don't say, hey, I'm unhappy, I need help. They usually say, I wish I had a girlfriend, I wish I had a boyfriend, or I wish my husband or wife would act right. <laughs> and um, you know, but before long, despite being a happiness coach, I became known as a dating and love coach. So I was doing this show, on E for two years, and we were supposed to get a third season, uh, but it didn't happen. So I had moved it to LA for that third season, essentially, and my friend Dr. Aaron called and said, hey Rob, I don't know what you're up to, but I wanna start a morning talk show focused on positivity, inspiration, and upliftment. And I love the idea, and I always wanted to do the same thing, and we had talked about that. So she and I um, decided to start, to start the show along with um, Jesslyn Moyer, who's um, a fantastic sort of entertainment reporter, and this guy named Andy Waldman really was running a network called Focus TV at the time. It later became EverTalk Media. Um, but that was the way Good Morning La La Land started. And, uh, you know, it's sort of grown. And, um, you know, now we just sort of have been focused on EverTalk Live. Dr. Aaron's moved off to do and focus really on her um, Soul Society platform, which is a spiritual community. Uh, but it was all really just an intention to provide sort of a place for people um, to find happiness and inspiration, upliftment, peace, love, just positivity, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, you're doing this through so many different mediums and you have a book as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about what the book focuses on. So it's Happiness from the Inside Out, The Art of Science and Fulfillment. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. That's right. So the book was really, you know, like most of my work, it was really selfish. I mean, from the beginning, it was really, I wasn't trying to get published. I wasn't really, I was just trying to help myself. I mean, I think I've always been focused on just wanting to be happy and trusting that if I'm happy, I'll have happiness to share and give with, you know, to other people. So I started the book really as just a way to track the insights and the learnings and the takeaways that I found through other people, through other authors, through other people in the world, um, through every, anybody and everybody. And it was meant as sort of a joke for myself. And, you know, in the, at some point I had friends that were asking me, Hey Rob, you know, you seem a little different. You seem, you know, almost happy and you seem a little more positive, a little more uplifted. You know, what, what are you doing? What's your secret? And I said, well, I don't really know, but I'm trying these things and I'm writing them in a book and I'm just sort of tracking it for myself. And so they said, you know, you should think about publishing it maybe, maybe, you know. And so, you know, lo and behold, I ran and I had a good friend at the time and she said, hey, you should check out this place, New World Library. And I later found out they published Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and all these interesting folks. So I reached out to them and I didn't expect them to say yes, Annie, at all. I was sure that they would say, hey, who's this guy? Why? But they said yes, they loved the idea and they loved the book. And so it became happiness from the inside out. Um, but yeah, it's always been me trying to get and stay happy. And it just so happens that sometimes people find it helpful for themselves too. Yeah, of course. And so, so in, your, in your opinion then, because we're, you know, I feel like we're all on this rat race of chasing yeah. um, a perfect happy life. Um, how much of us, are, uh, you know, how many of us, should I say rather, are, are chasing it in the, in the wrong places? Like, how do you find that? How do you understand that this is your, you know, your purpose? This is what you're meant to do. And how did you get that? Because after dabbling in, in, a, in a lot of things and doing multiple things, how do you kind of narrow down to that calling? Yeah, such a great question. I think um, the short answer is suffering. <laughs> suffering often brings us face to face with the things that we both can't do or don't love doing or aren't very good at doing. And also the things that we tend to feel a lot of passion and purpose around and the things that we happen to be, you know, qualified to do um, or inspired to do. For me, um, you know, I think it's, that's one way. So it's suffering, but also intelligence, I think a little wisdom. You know, I think often, at least with me, your highest or your greatest pain often points to your highest and greatest purpose. And it was right under my nose the whole time. I remember spending about 10 years, Annie, like reading every possible book I could find and listening to every possible podcast on how to figure out what to do with your life, like how to find your purpose. And they were all great books and they all had gems, but it didn't, none of it really helped a lot. And then one day I sort of let that go and I said, you know, I'm going to just try to enjoy my life. I may never find this purpose thing out, but if there's one small thing here and there that I know, I'll act on it. And hopefully that will lead to the next step and the next. And so at the time, all I knew was I didn't like my job. I didn't like cold weather and I wanted to be at the beach, you know? And so I decided to move to Miami beach and lo and behold, that led me to the acting and modeling stuff. And then that led me to writing the book. And then that led me to meeting, you know, folks in the uh, entertainment industry that referred me out. And uh, that led to, you know, the show on E and then the show on own. And so it's so interesting how you don't have to figure it all out. Um, you just have to sort of do the thing that you feel most inspired to do in the moment mm -hmm. and do it for the right reasons 
And I think it always leads you to the next step over time. But I would certainly say that, you know, if you're looking for purpose, there are at least two kinds, right? The one purpose we all share is the inner purpose, which is just a desire and a purpose and a passion to be happy. Like we all want to be happy. It doesn't matter who yeah. you are, or where you're from, right? So there's the inner purpose and we all share that. But our outer purpose differs a little bit and it manifests itself in different ways over the course of our life. For me, in the beginning, it was mostly as a consultant, then it was an executive coach, then it was an actor and a model, and now it's as a happiness coach. Um, but the outer purpose matters a lot less than the inner purpose. You can get the outer purpose right, so to speak, and you can be successful there. But if you don't fulfill your inner purpose, you'll always be unhappy. And so the challenge and opportunity with most of us is to let go of this rat race and chasing and looking for an outer purpose, and instead, Focus on finding and fulfilling your inner purpose, which is happiness, and then you will find that you're led to share that inner purpose through various manifestations and through various ways and means and methods over time. Um, but the outer purpose matters a lot less than the inner purpose. You want to get the inner purpose right and sorted, and the outer purpose tends to take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And when you're in the process of, you know, coaching so many different people from different walks of life and, you know, often whether, when it's, whether it's people in entertainment or, you know, athletes or whatever personalities, is there, is there any kind of sort of common thread that you find between people in terms of that, that need and want of fitting in or being successful or, you know, what would that be? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I would say that, um, that, the common theme without question is overthinking, okay? Wow. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you fear, what you desire, they all boil down to the same thing. Like at the end of the day, unhappiness seems to come in so many different forms and flavors and fragrances, but really ultimately, it's just overthinking. We think too much. And so the only place that happiness is ever found is of course within, and it's found within the stillness and silence within. That stillness, silence, and that spaciousness um, is perfect peace, you know, and it's perfect serenity. And so few of us actually look there, right? The temptation is to look in the world, to look in other people, to look in other things. And if you've lived long enough and you've been paying attention, like all of those things disappoint. Like I had a photographer friend, he would always say, a great picture, the best pictures, they make a promise they cannot keep. And the world and other people and other things essentially do the same thing. Unwittingly, unintentionally, unconsciously, they make a promise they cannot keep. And that promise is that I will make you happy forever, that you will find lasting and meaningful and abiding peace and love in me. But that's not possible, that peace and the love and the happiness we're seeking is inside. And so there's that expression that what you seek is what you are and what you are is what you seek. Like, stop doing that. <laughs> we all do that. We seek what we are and we are what we seek. But you can only really discover that and know that if you practice quieting your mind, right? A quiet mind or no mind when you're not thinking, that's perfect peace and that's perfect power. And is there, is there something that you just do without fail day in, day out in order to sort of at least tap into that space more often? Yes, Annie. I practice something called micro meditation. So, a micro meditation is just one breath, because I don't know about you, but if you've ever taken a meditation class, or it can be painful. <laughs> you know, the, the first one I took was filled with just beautiful women. I mean, I remember being so anxious already. I walked in the room, it was like 30 <laughs> the most beautiful women, and I had never taken a meditation class. I felt like they all had, 
And about 30 seconds in, I thought I was gonna have a panic attack with the meditation and that the ideal meditation is just one breath that you take while you let all your thoughts go and you take it only with the intention and goal of enjoying it. It's not to get good at it. It's not to be spiritual. It's not to be even happier, peaceful. It's simply to enjoy that one breath as deeply as humanly possible. Like it's the last breath you ever take on the planet, like you ever take on earth, okay? And milk it for every drop of joy you could possibly get out of it while you let your thoughts go. And what's interesting is if you can do this and take this one breath, no matter what else you're doing, spend more and more formative than almost anything else you can possibly do in your life, including a silent retreat, including happiness courses, because you're actually integrating this meditative approach into the daily activities of your life. And so what happens is you start to string these things together and then your brain rewires itself for that peace and for that happiness. And all of a sudden that which seems so effortful becomes effortless. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm going to definitely have to like attempt to integrate this into my lifestyle because yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think meditation it can be really overwhelming. And then it's, you know, sort of this constant battle of how long can I stay in this, you know, super focused zone um, before I start getting these external thoughts and sort of like allow myself to just like be taken off track completely. You nailed um, it, Annie. That is the, and you just nailed it. That, that's the challenge and the opportunity, which is, so, so a couple little, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense that I got soul shivers. I don't know, I got these things called soul shivers. When somebody, when I'm connecting with somebody at a soul level, I just get shivers all up and down my arms, you know, and uh, you know, I'm all wrapped up and I'm freezing. <laughs> so that's a good sign for me. Um, and boy, have I ever, um, you know, it's interesting. I spent, I mean, I would honestly say decades struggling with that question, Annie, which is like, you know, I love the idea of surrender, I think, but I don't want to be inactive and I don't want to accept defeat in the world. And I'm confused. I would look into the scriptures and I would become increasingly confused at all. And here's where I have now landed on it. I think ultimately that the key is to give this idea that I'm the doer, that we are the doer, but and that we're doing something, but instead come to a realization that we're being done and to allow the doing to happen through us, mm. as us, by God, right? Or by life, or by source. And so my, the challenge and opportunity is always to stay open and receptive to the infinite intelligence that we are one with, but is also greater than us, so that it can live through us, live as us, and perform whatever it is we need to perform. And to spend more of our focus and attention practicing the presence of that and putting more of our awareness on that and on the actual results or that right or on the actual outcome and so i had this experience when i was meditating just you just, sometimes you just meditate and you have this these insights sometimes when you're really in it for the right reason just to enjoy it you suddenly have a little insight like oh my goodness i'm not breathing this whole time my entire life i thought i was, be, I was breathing but i'm actually being breathed like there's something breathing us right there's something that hangs the earth on nothing, rotates it on its axis, revolves it around the sun. The sun shines just brightly enough and just hotly enough to not burn us, but also not freeze us, right? And that same life intelligence, infinite intelligence, 
also beats your heart, it breathes your lungs, and it helps your, and it makes your brain orchestrate it all. So whatever that is, is doing life, living life through me. And it can do everything much more effectively and efficiently and efficaciously and even enjoyably if I can get out of the way by getting out of my head, right? If you can stay out of your head and go about your day and keep part of your ear basically attuned to that infinite intelligence or call it your intuition, suddenly you allow the greater energy and life force to work through you in increasingly blissful and much better ways than you could do with your own human hands. So that's kind of the way I see surrender. Surrender is sort of letting and allowing and trusting and knowing that whatever it is that lives through me and lives as me knows much better what to do with my life than me. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's kind of where I land on that. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I think you've 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 summed it up in a great way. But it's such a. I hope that you know people can take something away from that um, for sure. And and just and lastly, like something that I've been wanting to ask you is being a happiness coach. Did that in any way put a lot of pressure on you to you know have this life of you know understanding exactly what's going on in your life and having it all put together and. Um, you know, how, how much of you operate from that? I mean, I know that you do operate from that space of authenticity, but what happens when you were going through adversity when, you know, is it, is it other people that you look to for support in that situation? Or do you find yourself being able to depend on your own understanding now that you've had this life experience? Great question, Annie. I, I, a number of answers to that one. I would say that I'm inspired by and learn from everyone. I, there's never, there's nobody I've ever met that I haven't learned from. Not because there's something special about me, but because there's something special about you. You know, and I'm especially inspired by folks like you that are these beautiful shining lights in the world. Um, I, I love um, so many authors. I'm a, just a voracious reader, so I love Rupert Spira, and I've always read Esther Hicks, and of course I love the Bible, and but I also read, um, you know, the the Torah and the Tao Te Ching and Buddhist scripture and Taoist scripture, you know, I, I love it all, quite frankly. And I think at the deepest core and essence of all the teachings, it's just exactly the same message. And most of it is basically lean not on your own understanding, right? Um, and, 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 and trust not in your own thoughts. And so that's um, what I've discovered is that when I'm at my best or, or when I'm at my worst, mm -hmm. then the invitation is always to let go of thinking that I need to figure anything out and that I need to plot and plan my life. Instead, lean into the support that I get from friends and from family, but lean, lean in even in a greater way to that infinite intelligence that I'm one with, but is also greater than me, right? So when I'm really struggling, I... I know that always the, and instead, let go of the need for things to be different uh, in the future and just practice the presence, like practice in the presence where you're simply quiet mentally and you're just feeling into that peaceful aliveness inside and trusting and knowing that that will perfect everything in your life and it will prepave peace and happiness and love and success in your life has been my greatest uh, savior and salvation ever. And so I would say that, um, you know, in the beginning of this happiness coaching thing, I felt some stress and responsibility both for my own life and for other people's lives, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm smart enough to know I don't know anything. <laughs> and that in of itself is peace and happiness and love.
Yeah, yeah. Well, amazing. It's been it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to come and and do this and and share your wisdom on the show. So I can't wait to share it with people. Thank you so much for having me on. You are simply as brilliant as you are beautiful inside and out, Annie. So thank you so much for having me on, and just thank you for sharing your divine love and light with the world. Oh no, it was it was such a pleasure hacks I've discovered there. One is what we do. It's actually what we are. And so the awareness of your own existence, like your very own awareness of your own sort of naked existence, your own presence, right? Now you can just notice that you're aware. Before you can be aware of anything else, you're aware that you're alive. Okay? That awareness itself, before there's a thought and before it's a word, is meditation. It's already full, perfectly full of peace and love and bliss, okay? So what we're doing with meditation is we're just simply noticing that peaceful aliveness that's always there underneath the thoughts and the words and the emotions. And we're just putting more and more of our focus, attention, and awareness on that peaceful aliveness or alive peacefulness as we go about our day. Now, sometimes it's easier to start with the breath than it is that feeling of life force or life energy in your body. But you want to eventually get to the place where you're just noticing or feeling or spending time with that life force or that life energy that not only is within you, but that is you. I call that God. I call that life energy, life force that's infinite, eternal, faceless, formless, and perfectly fearless. That life energy is God or source or life or spirit, but it is you. You're one with that. And so the more time and attention and focus you can spend practicing the presence, I call it practicing the presence of God, but you can call it practicing the presence of peace or love or joy, the more quickly and the more consistently you experience peace, love, and joy throughout your day and weeks and months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So one, one thing which I keep asking my guests on this, on this series specifically is this whole topic of surrender, because I feel like it's, it's such a it's such an interesting topic to talk about and also like i i literally struggle with this on a daily basis of how much do we let go and you know sort of let live let god um work in our lives and how much do we need to chase and strive and you know go after the things that we want and has there ever been have you ever been in that a moment which is memorable for you in that kind of dialectic and how how were you able to enable the things that are meant for you to happen if you if you like if that makes sense and that was the end of an episode of the series of release i will be back next sunday with another episode from the same series as we continue this journey primarily focused on relationships on healing on self-love And I'm super excited for you to tune in to more episodes with a lot more new guests. I can promise you that you're going to take something away from all of these episodes and all of the amazing people that I'm going to be talking to. And meanwhile, you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the Instagram page, Unplug with Annie, and on the Facebook page, Unplug with Annie. You can also go to the website and sign up for the emails if you haven't already, which is www.unplugwithannie.com.